Hey everybody, welcome to episode 36 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and this week my guest, John Vanderlyn, is a professional golfer on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, super thankful to have him on, appreciate his time. I actually met John uh, this year at the Lecom Suncoast Classic in February, which many of you know I'm the sales manager for that tournament. Um, in the Lakewood Ranch, Florida area. So I had taken a call, uh, I believe on Thursday of tournament week from a member of a pro-am team that actually had a chance to play with John on Wednesday and they had some really good things to say about him and they wanted me to pass a message along to him. So I just happened to run into him while he was coming out of the locker room, I believe on Thursday or Friday, and I shared that message with him and we kind of had an opportunity to connect there uh, we connected on social media afterwards. I had captured a pretty cool video of John chipping in on Thursday on the 18th green. Uh, he had sent me a message and asked me to send him the video. So we just kind of kept some communication going back and forth, which was pretty neat and uh, had an opportunity to have him on the podcast. So I'm really excited to have him on. Um, he's young in his career right now, but you know he's having a really nice season so far. We're about ready to get back into the swing of things in June uh, this year, just due to COVID-19 and some of the uh, delays that we've had with that, just making sure that we've got a safe environment for the players and for the volunteers out there. Uh, but John took 26 this year in the Lecom Suncoast Classic. He finished 15 under par. Uh, so far on the season this year, in the 2020 season, uh, John has racked up four top 25s and one top 10 in Bogota, Colombia, actually had a nice showing down there. Uh, John is a four-time All-American at Florida Southern. He won 11 times in college. In 2018, he was the individual national champion. Um, he also won the 2018 Jack Nicholas Award, which is given out to the best Division II college player. In 2017, he won a team national championship at uh, Florida Southern as well. He was a two-time Sunshine State Conference Player of the Year. So John's, like I said, is a really strong player. He had a really good college career. Uh, he's out in his second season now for the Corn Ferry Tour. He joined that in 2019. So um, had him on to really just kind of talk to you guys about his journey. He's going to tell us a little bit about how he got introduced to the game of golf. He's going to talk to, about, to us about his junior career. He grew up in Connecticut, so we're going to kind of talk a little bit about you know, what do you do in those winter months? You know, how do you grind it out uh, when you can't necessarily get out on the course and play? Kind of similar to what we're going through actually right now, even though it's not, you know, winter months for a lot of people, um, you know, with the restrictions we've got with COVID-19 going on, you know, people are looking to try to figure out how can they continue to develop their games? You know, how can they practice and continue to get better, you know, during this time? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to touch on tournament play. Um, we're going to talk, talk about Q school a little bit and what that looks like, uh, college selection, the recruiting process, you know, just like I said, practicing and staying sharp with limited access to, uh, facilities. So really good conversation with John. I really appreciate his time and, um, I appreciate all you guys. I really thank you guys for tuning in each and every week. Um, you know, we're constantly growing this podcast. I think we're up to 45 states that it's reached so far, 28 countries. Um, we're continuing to grow that. You know, it's really getting pushed out there um, from a lot of you guys, you know, just sharing it on social media, 
uh, you know, liking it, commenting on it, uh, you know, those types of things. So I appreciate it. You know, I ask you to please keep doing that. I encourage you to connect with me. Uh, you can email me at juniorgolfkeys at gmail.com. You can also follow Junior Golf Keys on Twitter, on Instagram, and on LinkedIn. Um, we've got some, you know, just different content that we're trying to share out there uh, on those different platforms that can hopefully, you know, supplement some of the information that you're taking home here on the podcast. So um, thank you guys for tuning in. I really appreciate it. You guys sit tight. I'll be right, right back with my interview with John Vanderlyn. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. Uh, this week, I'm joined by John Vanderlyn, who is a professional golfer on the Corn Ferry Tour. And I got John on the line this morning. John, what's happening? Not much, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were just kind of chatting before we started about kind of the limited activity we have right now, just making the best of uh, the current COVID-19 situation. How's everything treating you? Uh, it's good, you know, just trying to trying to stay, we, me and my girlfriend, we've kind of been quarantining as much as we can, you know, it's weird not being able to go out, we live in a condo, so we don't, we, we like to go out and try and get some sun, go for some walks, or, or go work out outside, or whatever we can do, but it's just weird, you know, kind of being stuck in the house, so just doing what we can to stay yep. healthy. Yeah, I hear you, my wife and I are doing the same thing, we took the kayak out a couple of weeks in a row. Nice. Yeah, some outside walking, a couple runs here and there, so trying to trying to make the best of it. But Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, um, you know, for this group and for this audience, uh, you know, just trying to bring them value around, you know, what some different people in the golf industry, um, you know, specifically players and coaches uh, that have kind of been through it, you know, what they've gone through and what's led them to, you know, where they are now. So you're in your second year. I guess I say that with air quotes because we don't really know what's <laughs> going on with this second year of, uh, you know, your professional status right, on the Corn yeah. Ferry Tour. But uh, can you kind of give a little bit of an intro to who you are and kind of your introduction to golf and what your path has been like so far? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm, I grew up in Connecticut. Um, I got started in golf really young. My dad, actually, when I was like two years old so I had had plastic clubs and would just mess around with them you know like a bunch of kids do and then when I was two years old my dad played in um a member guest with my uncle at his at my uncle's course and they won and they won a couple hundred dollars in pro shop credit or whatever and my dad took the pro shop credit and bought me my first set of U.S. kids clubs nice and yeah the story the story goes as my parents tell it my dad came home and me and my brother so I was two my brother was one and we just went out in our backyard and just started hitting balls back and forth. And my brother, he's only one year old. He got tired after a little while, whatever went inside of my mom. And then like hours later, my dad and I still hadn't come back in. We were just hitting the ball back and forth, you know, couldn't get enough of it even at the yeah. young age. So um, I was, I was kind of hooked early on, loved going out and playing golf. We had a little par three course in, in my hometown and my dad would take me out and, you know, it was fun at that time. It like to go back these days and like the first hole is like 170 yards and i used to have to like i'm like man how am i going to get there in two yeah right so, um it, it was fun and then you know just kind of stuck with it i played a lot of baseball growing up too and then in connecticut they were the same high school season so i had to pick one um and i ended up picking with golf and i'm glad i did yeah it's worked but, out yeah uh, what was your junior golf 
uh, scene like in Connecticut? I mean, what kinds of things sure. did you play in? You play high school golf, you know, ranked tournaments. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, I played high school golf, obviously, and we had a pretty good high school team, actually. We won the state championship my junior year, so that was a lot of fun. Um, I was pretty fortunate in the Northeast, and I'm sure everybody that listens to your podcast that, that has a, a son or a daughter that plays junior golf in the Northeast know the U.S. Challenge Cup. Um, it's a junior golf tour run by Dave Adamonis. Um, he does a great job. It's like all, all pretty much throughout new England, mostly I would say Massachusetts, Rhode Island, kind of out in there, but, um, he does a great job running the tour. His dad started it many years ago and it's like all the, it seems like all the best players from new England kind of congregate there and, and play throughout the summer. Yeah. Um, and so I got to play with a lot of really good players up there and, and then, also over the summer, I was fortunate um, to have parents that were really supportive of me and they would travel. And I, I played a good number of AJGA events when I was in probably my sophomore, junior, senior year of high school to try and get some some college coaches to take notice. And I played uh, like the Bobby Chapman and Scott Robertson, just trying to trying to get noticed because I knew I wanted to play in college. And I even then I knew I wanted to try and play professionally. So it was all kind of geared around that. Okay. So you were building your schedule at that point to put yourself in a position where you could perform at a course or in a tournament that you knew coaches were going to be present. Right. Yeah. And so I, I always wanted to play in the South, you know, where coming from Connecticut where I could play all year. So it wasn't easy, but we would play like one or two where we would go down to like South Carolina or something like that, you know, so where there might be some more Southern coaches that I could get some exposure to um, right. that kind of deal. Yeah. Well, you ultimately landed at Florida Southern. So, I mean, obviously that plan worked. Yeah. Uh, Florida, Florida Southern's a, a D2 school down in Florida, obviously. Um, what was the journey like getting to Florida Southern from a recruiting process standpoint? Yeah. So I actually got pretty fortunate with Florida Southern um, because the head pro at my home course in Connecticut at the Country Club of Waterbury, his name is Tom Gleaton he played at Florida Southern in the sixties or seventies. And he was actually their first individual national champion. Oh, cool. So he had ties to the, to the program. And obviously, even though his coach was gone, um, there had, there were only two coaches in the history of the program. So everybody knew who he was and he was well-respected. And that's kind of how I got my introduction, how I found out about Florida Southern. Um, okay. And Florida Southern was a great program. And since I wanted to go to Florida, they were a top-ranked D2 program where I knew I'd be going to compete and not just going to play and whatever, but, like, we were going to try and win every single year going for a national championship. Mm -hmm. And that was something that, at the time, at my level of, of golf in the Northeast, I wasn't going to get at really any D1 school. Um, okay. So, and then I kind of... I ended up committing to Florida Southern. Uh, it was there between there and, and Central Florida, UCF. Um, but I just liked the small school at Florida Southern, and I had a better better offer to go there, so I, I went with it. And my game kind of turned the summer before going to college, and I kind of just carried it through college. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely did. I'm going to get into that in just a second. But um, can you kind of go into a little bit more detail? Because I think one of the things that – families struggle with and and especially young players that want to play at the highest level that they possibly can is kind of 
um, you know, taking a snapshot of where they are and being real about mm-hmm. here's what I'm capable of. This is where my game is at right now. This is where I can compete. It sounds like you and, you know, maybe you had some help on the side, you know, with mentors and stuff like this, but it sounds like you were very clear in your vision of this is who I am. This is the kind of player I am. This is the level of player that I am right now as it stands, because I've talked about on this show a lot, you know, people peak at different times. Right. Um, can you kind of dig into that a little bit deeper to help some of these young players and their families kind of understand what that means? Yeah. So um, like you said, I don't know that a lot of guys or girls know the way I did, but my goal was always to play in college and continue playing after college. So I kind of went into it with that mindset and my dad was really helpful in the whole recruiting process. He was very involved with me and helping me talk to coaches and um, everything. So I wanted to go somewhere that, and I talked to this with my family where it was going to give me the best option to play at the next level. Okay. Um, And it wasn't always easy, you know, because it's so tempting to go to like, I had a, I had a, probably a chance to go to some like pretty good D one schools. Um, but it was just about, for me, it was about competing. And instead of competing for that fourth or fifth spot in the lineup, competing to win tournaments. Yep. Um, and for, for me really, because of everything that my dad helped me with, it, I was just focused on going out and playing golf and trying to get better myself. Yeah. Um, and wherever I ended up, was going to be where what I was going to have to I was going to have to make the most of the situation and try and use that to get to the next level. Um, I also had some help from uh, one of my sponsors. Now I was a member of their of their uh, academy for a long time, the Golf Performance Center. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but Roger, Roger, I, I started going there when I was like 13 years old, and Roger Nick founded it. Uh, my dad found it. I'm not even sure how he found it, to be honest with you. But it's, I mean, now it's one of the best facilities I've ever seen. It, and for us in the winter with hitting bays and, and gyms, and it was a way to stay competitive with other kids. Mm-hmm. And now he's founded Junior Golf Hub too, which I'm sure you've heard of in the junior oh, yeah. golf space. So he w- he had a lot of connections from his time and from helping out other players. Um, so it was really, for me, it was just about talking with coaches, learning about different programs and figuring out what was going to give me the best chance to succeed at the next level. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously you're, you're on your way to, you know, making a really nice career. I think, Um, you know, obviously following you and getting a chance to know you a little bit, but looking back at your college, I mean, what, what did college do to prepare you for where you are now? Because you won 11 times in college. (laughs) You won a, you won a national championship in 2017 as a team, um, you won it individually in 2018. You won the Jack Nicholas award for the best D2 college player in 2018, two times sunshine state. I mean, I don't have to list all these <laughs> things, you know them, right. But just to give the audience yeah. some context, you went to college and took full advantage of the opportunity, in my opinion, at least from the outside looking in. So just talk us through that a little bit. Sure. Um, so <clears throat> the reason that I decided on Florida Southern really, um, on top of the great offer was I knew it was going to give me a chance, like I said, to compete, to win and not only individually, but as a team. And when I talked about it with uh, my parents and with other, other family friends that were like in the golf industry, or or I knew a couple of college coaches um, friendly and 
we all like everybody agreed that to succeed in golf, no matter what level, especially if you want to do it as a pro, you have to learn how to win. And learning how to win is def- is not something that's easy. And it's, it's definitely a skill. And by putting myself in that situation over and over again, it was going to better prepare me to succeed at the next level. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, the summer going into my, into my freshman year of college, things like kind of clicked for me. I'm not really, I can't really be specific on what it yeah. was, but I think my last tournament before going to college, like the end of July was the new England amateur and I won that. And that was like the first time, like I'd won some local, like I won the Connecticut junior amateur. I won a couple of local events, but that was like a, mostly the best amateurs in new England. Yeah. And I wasn't in college yet. And I won that. So that gave me kind of springboarded me into college okay. um, and gave me a lot of confidence. And once I got there at Florida Southern, I was in a unique position where just by virtue of some transfers and some other things that happened with the team, our team only had seven players on it and three, four of us were freshmen and three of us were sophomores. Oh, wow. So, but right away, three of us freshmen were the top three players on the team. Mm -hmm. And so we were competing. We were all like really good for freshmen, I would say. So we were all competing with each other and we constantly had that competition, but also in Lakeland, uh, Florida, where our school was at the course we played at, were a bunch of guys that had gone to Florida Southern or from Lakeland or that were mini tour players. Oh, okay. So, and then there were guys like Brad Bryant who plays on the senior tour now has had a lot of success. Uh, he sure. might be retired now, but he played out there for a lot of years. And Andy Bean was a member at the same club. Okay. So like on the weekends and whenever we would get the chance, we would go and make like groups with those guys and compete with those guys. Mm-hmm. So we were already as freshmen playing against guys trying to make it outside of college. And we certainly didn't want to lose to those guys. Yeah, that's so right. Our games got a lot better really fast. And just I'm a, I'm a big believer in the competition uh, aspect of it, because in the end of the day, you can hit as many balls as you want. You can work on your short game as hard as you want. But the game's about getting the ball in the hole. Yeah, you're so, absolutely right if you can find a way to compete with guys that are better than you, so you have to get better to beat them. I think that really helped me a lot. And playing with those guys gave all of us on the team, a lot of confidence, you know, like these guys already went to college and now they're playing on the mini tours or they're, they're trying to succeed in, on, in, in Canada or whatever. And we can Mm -hmm. compete with them now. Like we can beat these guys we're playing with in college, that kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so it sounds like, yeah, I was going to ask you earlier as you were kind of talking through some of the stuff like, well, how do you how do you put yourself in a position to uh, learn how to win? Right. Because you said it's a skill. You've got to figure right. out how to do it. And it sounds like, you know, what really worked for you is putting yourself in some competitive situations in tournament atmospheres, but also just at the club. Right. Yeah. And, you know, playing with some guys that you knew you were going to have to push yourself. And I was talking to. um I actually recorded an episode recently with my cousin who played at Arkansas and his wife who was an all American at Georgia. Okay. Um, and now she's the assistant at Vandy. And we were talking about this same thing and just playing in like different levels of competition. So I don't know if you did anything like this when you were growing up playing different tournaments, but you know, playing in some tournaments that you knew, like maybe the competition wasn't as stiff, but you thought like, Hey man, I can go in there. And, you know, I, I bring my A game, like, there's no doubt that I can win this event. And then you've got some other events that, like, 
you know, you got to play really well and it's kind of going to be a dog fight, you know, to take the trophy home. And then some right. other ones where it's like, man, I don't know. I'm kind of like stepping outside of my boundary a little bit. I'm not really strong here, but it's going to push you. Right. I mean, did you kind of go through right. that a little bit? So for sure. And especially early in my career, um, my freshman year, like I said, that it kind of springboarded me that went at the new England amateur and I won twice as a freshman and I was a first team all American, you know, I had a great, great freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't, I didn't, I played in some big amateur events over the summer and I played okay, but I didn't, I didn't play that well. I missed a cut at the Western amateur. I think I barely made the cut of the Northeast amateur um, and didn't play that well. And sophomore year came around and I still had a, a, solid year but i didn't win i was a second team all-american which i was really disappointed in being a first team as a freshman and that year kind of motivated me to really get better because i was those other two freshmen that i came into school with were both first team all-americans as sophomores and i fell back to a second team all-american okay a little bit of a fire huh it my coach always used to say it about the three of us like we wanted to beat each other more than we wanted to beat the other teams. Yeah. And luckily for us, we were all good players. So if we beat, were beating each other, we were playing pretty well. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, we, we kind of just, after that sophomore year, I really got focused on my game and, and tried to, to become the best player that I could because I didn't want, uh, to leave any doubt that I was going to be, cause I was kind of like a borderline first team all American. I was like, all right, next year, there's not going to be any doubt. I'm going to be a first team all American. Yeah. And that was my motivation. And I had a great year as a junior. Um, I think I won two more times. Okay. Including I won the regional. And then obviously our team, we won the national championship, um, which is still the coolest thing that I've ever done. Um, just, because it's it's not like something you can totally control. You control one point in match play. Sure. And then you, it's it's a whole team thing, and it was a blast. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I think you know even you know juniors that are growing up, you know, kind of playing with the idea of you know team golf and individual golf and rank tournaments and stuff like that. I think you know having people like you on to talk about some of your you know team accomplishments, even though golf is such an individual sport. Um, mm-hmm. it's just really cool to hear because I think that there's such a different element that you bring to the game, you know, playing in a team environment and things that can help you learn and grow. Right. Yeah, for sure. Be- I mean, in the end of the day, when you're out on the course, you're still, you can only control yourself. So you're so focused on your, your own game, but whether it's like off the course at dinner or whatever, somebody's down on themselves or you need some help. Maybe like I was a captain my last two years, maybe you need to, you need to give them a pep talk, you know, get some motivation, get some fire going under them. So they go out and throw up three or four under in the last round to help you come from a few shots behind or, yeah, you know, there's, there's, there was nothing cooler for me than like being a couple shots back and then having the four or five guys shoot 68, 69 to go with the other scores we had been posting. Right. And then, and then taking over, taking home the win by a couple, you know, yeah, that's... that was those team wins were it's just I mean, it's it's just like you become such good friends with these people and they're like family. And like when you accomplish these things together, it's like feel like the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah, for sure. You guys still pretty tight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we definitely are from that national championship team. We talk all the time, you know, and 
uh, one of my teammates, John Coltis, he he's playing professionally now too. He was on Latin in Canada last year. Um, and I, I'm still really tight with him. And, you know, we, we traveled a bit in Canada last summer together. Yep. Um, so it, it's just been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about tournament play and I kind of want to highlight a couple different tournaments for you this year so far. So yeah. I mean, we're six, we got six tournaments in on corn yep. Ferry this year. And, you know, we're kind of in a little bit of a break as you know, um, with this COVID-19, but I think you had a really good start to the season so far. I don't know, you know, what your thoughts are and how you're feeling about what's going on, but you know, four top 25s right now. Um, you've got, let's see, you finished T six in Bogota and mm-hmm. uh, I want to talk about Bogota and I want to talk about the first Bahamas event. So okay. um, the first Bahamas event, you finished T11, two under for the week, right? Wind was blowing yeah. like crazy. It was out of control. It was. Um, and then in Bogota, you finished T6. So inside yep. the top 10, 15 under. Um, really solid scoring. I want you to kind of talk through, I think sometimes the challenges that, young players have are they think they have to come out and if they're going to win every single week, they got to shoot 65, 65, 65, 65. Right. Mm -hmm. But can you talk a little bit about course conditions and playing the course versus playing the competition? I mean, I know you mentioned, you know, in college, you know, your little three musketeers there, I guess you'd say, you know, (laughs) trying to beat each other and, you know, creating some internal competition there, but can you just kind of talk about what it's like to play in a competitive environment in a big time tournament where, you know, for these two examples, like you shoot two under and you're almost in the same finishing position as you are when you shoot 15 under. So right. talk through that a little bit for us. Yeah. And for me, it's interesting this year um, because I don't have any experience on any of the courses we're playing, I think. Okay. So other than seeing past results, I don't really know what to expect. And even you don't know what happened last year, like if the weather was bad. Right. Or like I think in the Bahamas one year, like or last year maybe in that first Bahamas event where I shot two under, I think like 18 under might have won because it was okay. almost dead calm. Right. And now this year it was like I think 10 under might have won, but I think he won by four or something like that. Right. So – it's like hard to you kind of have to do everything you can to go in without expectations of like, all right, I need to shoot straight 65s if I'm going to win this week because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And the forecast can change at any time. And as as windy as it was, I mean, I had some of the craziest shots I've ever hit in my life. Like the 11th hole there was 135 yard par three. I don't think I hit less than six iron. Oh, wow. I hit between four and six iron every single round. Yeah. You know, and it's like the ocean to your right and, and bushes to the left. So it's like, there's not really a bailout either. Yeah. And it was a lot of, I think that was good for me for my first event um, because you didn't really have time to think about anything other than the shots you were hitting Mm -hmm. because every shot required your full attention. Yeah. So I was kind of just out there thinking like, what, what do I have to do here rather than, all right, where do I stand on the leaderboard? Who's leading? What are they at? Am I going to make the cut? Am I going to be able to make a charge? You know, that kind of deal. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like, you know, inevitably it really helped you, which is, I think this is something that we all try to do when we're playing golf is like, 
how can we slow the game down? How can we stay within ourselves and execute one shot at a time? It sounds like that environment kind of helped you do that, but can you talk about what it's like to do that even outside of those conditions? Yeah. And it's definitely not easy. Uh, Sure. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to kind of just, I think it's, I think it's been good for me this year um, as like my first full season out here with a caddy. Okay. And um, I have a really good caddy who worked on tour for a long time. But we he we don't I mean we figure out the shot we try to hit the shot we we figure out what shot we want to hit and we try and hit it and outside of that we're not really focused on the round as much you know like in between shots it's more of like what's going on in the world what's going on with us you know like talking about little things so we're not like you don't get frustrated over the little things because getting frustrated helps nobody it doesn't help you you end up making poor swings or you, you end up not committing to shots. And then it just causes you to fall down the leaderboard. Yeah. Um, in a college setting where you weren't uh, playing with a caddy, how, do, how were you able to do that? I guess just on your own. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. So for me, I wasn't a huge talker. Um, like some guys I became friends with and I would talk with other guys or if they would talk to me, I would talk to them, but I was, I've never, I've never been like a big talker. Like I'm not the guy who's going to go out and start the conversation most of the time. Kind of just in my own little world going about my business. And it's really, you just can't, you can't like dwindle on shots that you hit, whether it's a great shot or whether it's a bad shot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is about me. It's just the way I am. I've always had kind of had the attitude of like, it's not that big. Like, it, I mean, obviously when I hit a good shot, I'm happy. Or if I hit a bad shot, I might get a little upset for, for the most part, you're not going to be able to tell the difference with me. Yeah. Like I, I don't fist pump when I make a big putt or anything like that. Um, I'm just not a very outwardly emotional player. Right. And I think that has helped me just staying level. So does it, do you, it sounds like you still give yourself like that opportunity, even if it is just internally though, to have that feeling, right? Because it's just going to be a natural reaction to the shot. It's a good shot. I'm happy. It's a bad shot. I didn't like that one. I'm not very happy, but it's short lived is what it sounds like. Right. It's, it's, and once it happens, if you want to be excited about it or you want to be upset about it for five seconds, fine. But like that shot happened, you can't do anything about it. Right. You can only go up to where the next one finished and either try and make the birdie putt that you just knock tight or get it up and down from short sided. Like you hit the ball there. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. Now. So there's no reason in getting upset about it or getting overly excited about it, you know, unless it's, unless it's their last putt to win or something like that. And then, then like, by all means, but right. um, I don't know. That's kind of the attitude. Once a shot's over for me, it, I just have to go make the best of wherever I left myself. Yeah. So yeah. And a lot of times I think those reactions positive or negative come from the shot that was just hit. So, yeah, yeah, I agree hundred percent. So the more we can do to, you know, let that expression go as quickly as possible. And we move on to the next one, uh, you know, kind of puts us in a better position to finish out that round. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Obviously we're going through, you know, it's time that neither one of us have ever seen in our lifetimes, you know, with this COVID-19 and, you know, some restrictions and isolation and 
you know, limited ability to get out there and, you know, uh, practice and play for some of us, but you grew up in Connecticut. Um, I grew up partially in Ohio. So similarly in terms of, you know, winter months, tough to get out, you know, tough to grind. Yeah, sure. Uh, I read an article about a, uh, setup that I believe your grandfather helped you guys put up in your (laughs) basement. Yeah. And, um, I want you to talk about that a little bit and then just kind of talk about like, you know, what other kinds of things, you know, growing up in the Northeast, um, you know, I know you played some other sports and probably had some training stuff that way, but, um, you know, what other things did you do to keep your body active and, and ready with the game and, you know, keep, you know, developing some skills around the game in those winter months or in a time like this where it's tough to get out and kind of go through your normal routine? Yeah. So, um, back when I was growing up in Connecticut in high school, the basement set up, it was just really a net attached to the ceiling and the, and the floor of the basement and, and a little hitting mat. And my grandpa helped us set it up. And we used to, me and my brother, we used to just go down there and, and, and get some swings in, or maybe we'd take a video of our swing or we would set up like some buckets and try and chip into the buckets, that kind of yeah. deal. Um, but once, once I really got serious about golf, that was, that was, that was awesome. That, but that was kind of supplemental. Like I mentioned before the golf performance center, right. Um, and that's really where I kind of worked and it, it provided a structure and a group of guys that helped me improve my game and gave me guys to compete with in the wintertime. So we used to go there three days a week and they were, that, that was the membership. That's what you signed up for. And it was like, it was three hour sessions and one hour would be a workout and two hours would be like kind of team golf practice, but you'd break out into different groups and do different competitions, different drills. They had simulators, they had, um, they had, and they had a full gym. Okay. And so that's kind of goes back to the competition thing with me where I didn't want to lose to those guys. And we were always competing, whether it was in the gym or who was lifting more weight or who was doing more pushups or like we, we used to have like, uh, we used to have long drives sometimes at the end of the night on the simulator, or we'd have a 150 yard shot and whoever could hit the green more times in a row, you know, we were always just find, finding ways to compete with each other and get better that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it, I've heard so many other people talk about this too, just creating that competition. I feel like puts you in a position where you've just got the reps and, and then when you're in a situation where, you know, it really means something, you feel like you've been there, you know, a hundred times before and it alleviates some of that pressure, right? Yeah, it may not be the same, but it simulates a level of pressure. Right. And it might not be as dramatic as it is when you face it in a real tournament situation, but it's at least something and something is better than nothing, I think. Yeah, for sure. I was even talking to uh, Andrew Novak about playing basketball in high school. And he was like, man, he said, you know, playing basketball in high school, he's like, "It, it gave me like a different level of, um, like confidence playing in front of people, which was something interesting that like, I didn't even like think about something like that from a golf perspective, but we were talking about, uh, his 18th, uh, green putt to win the tournament at Econ this year. Yeah. And he was like, man, like I I just, I got up there and he's like, I didn't feel as much pressure as I thought I would. Cause I feel like I've been in positions in front of crowds before and I've made myself comfortable in that scenario. So I don't know if you have anything similarly playing other sports that, you know, has helped you in that regard, but I thought that was an interesting takeaway from him. 
Yeah, no, that's definitely interesting. And I haven't really thought about that either, but um, I don't really think there's anything like that for me, to be honest with you. I played baseball, like I mentioned, but going into high school, they were the same sport or the same season. So I had to pick one, but other, I I mean, I played a little bit of basketball, but I didn't play in high school or anything. So um, I kind of, once I got to high school, it was kind of all golf for me, but um, I definitely think playing other sports helps, helps you develop as an athlete. And, and can give you a lot of perks down the road. Yeah, I mean, what what do you think you pulled away from from playing some other sports specifically? Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I think just the whole team aspects and, and, like, being able to work together to accomplish a main goal, and I think that's part of why I liked winning as a team in college so okay. much. Um, it's about more than just yourself and as, as much as you want to do yourself and as successful as you want to be yourself, doing it for something more than yourself means yeah. more. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you're, you're not, you're not just playing for you, right? You're trying to help your teammates yeah. out. You're, you know, being a motivator for them, you know, trying to execute for them, you know, in the game. Uh, it can definitely do a lot of other things for you. Um, yeah. I want to shift a little bit and talk about Q school. Um, sure. What's it like to go through Q school? I think that it's tough, man. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not a easy. grind, right? So, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of young players out there that aspire to play in college, a lot of college players that aspire to play professionally. Um, you know, there are a couple different ways to get there, but there's, you know, really kind of a path now more than there ever was um, to, to yep. get to professional golf. So, I mean, just talk about the Q school grind. What, what is it like to go through it? You know, what does kind of that process look like? So for me, the first year I went through it, um, I was coming off a pretty successful summer in state opens and my first summer of pro events. And I played in the Barbasol in Kentucky and made the cut. So that exempted me through pre-qualifying, which okay. was awesome. Um, and then another great thing about Florida Southern actually is the first stage site. They have a first stage site in Lakeland, which was actually one of our oh, that's courses. right. Yeah. So we played there. Twi- I played there twice a week for four years. So it was a course where I was comfortable playing, which in Q school is huge because nothing's normal. You're playing for a chance to have a place to compete in the following year, like basically a place to do your job, right, right. you know? So, um, it was nice having that level of comfort being in a city. I knew around a lot of people I know just in the community. Um, and just, I had confidence there. I'd played there so many times, you know, I've played good rounds there and I played well there. My first year got through. And then second stage was somewhere I hadn't played before um, for whatever reason, starting last. So not this past year, but the year before my first year in Q school, the scores had gotten a lot lower than they had in the past mm-hmm. year. And I just, I had to just try and go out and play my game and, and make as many birdies as I could to try and get yeah. through. Um, and I felt like I played really well and I, I birdied my last hole to get through second stage, which got me okay. my card. Um, but I, so I didn't have a ton of friends that had gone through Q school. So I didn't really know that much about it. Okay. I just knew that it was a chance to get my card. And once I got through second stage and got my card, I was like, Oh, that's awesome. You know, I'm going to be on the corn Ferry tour next year. I'm going to be out there playing and not realizing, Oh, you're still a long way from <laughs> playing in anything. You know, you got to go to finals and finish top right. 40. 
and I didn't. And then I had a poor finish and ended up spending my year playing Monday qualifiers and lost some confidence in my game. Um, went to Canada to just play some events off my, I, cause I could play up there off my corn fairy status mm-hmm. and still wasn't playing very good golf. Those guys up there are studs too. You know, you got to play well every yep. round. Um, there's just so many good players. There's never an opportunity. You can't ever let yeah. up. So, I mean, what kind of advice do you have for, I don't know if we got a ton of college players that are listening, but you know, definitely some, yeah. some juniors that are playing and aspiring to make it you know, through college and, and follow a similar path that you have. I mean, what kind of advice would you give them that things that they could even be working on now, you know, they're, I don't know, four or five, six years removed probably from this type of scenario, sure. but you know, that's a lot of time to, you know, start preparing for something like that in that journey. What, what can they do? Well, you know, we talked about the simulating pressure and playing under pressure and Q school is the most pressure packed event. Anybody I think will play in okay. their life. Um, because your future in the sport is riding on it, you know, and it's basically your opportunity to have a job and to advance your career. So, I mean, it sounds crazy, but just getting comfortable being uncomfortable, I guess, which sound might sound a little weird, but being able to compete when maybe you, there's more pressure on you than normal or finding ways to get the ball in the hole when you don't have your best because Q school is so long. You play so many rounds. You're not going to have your a game. Yeah, for sure. And nobody is right. But you got to find, I said, nobody is right. Exactly. But you, the key is finding the way to turn the 75 into a 70 Mm -hmm. and then, you know, or, or something like that. So you got to figure out how to manage your game so that, when you don't have it, you have a shot you can hit that you know where it's going to go and you can get it in the fairway. And then, okay, now maybe that's what you're struggling with, but now I've hit in the fairways. Now I can get it on the green and give myself a chance to make a couple birdies and maybe maybe shoot a couple under instead of a couple yeah, over. For sure. You said something that like really hit me hard because it's something that speaks well to me with kind of some things that I've been working on myself. And you're talking about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, There's a guy named David Goggins. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's an ex Navy seal um, who does a lot of like ultra marathons and stuff like that. And it's something that he talks about a lot, you know, being comfortable, being uncomfortable and putting yourself in situations where, you know, you've got to really figure out how to get yourself out of it. And it doesn't feel very good while you're in it. Um, can you kind of talk about just sort of making me think about like practicing and can you talk about when you practice, you know, how do you go through, like, I imagine just hearing you talk, you're not standing there and just whacking balls on the driving range. Like if you're practicing, are you, are you putting yourself in situations where you've got to execute a tough shot or get out of a, you know, tough situation or just, can you kind of talk about how you, simulate that pressure and practice even if you're just by yourself yeah so um for me i do it mostly chipping and putting is where i simulate those sort of situations i don't hit a ton of balls if i'm if i'm hitting the ball well i'll typically hit a couple just to make sure i'm i'm, I'm grooving yep. it a little bit or if i'm not hitting the ball well maybe i'll i'll try and work on some things but for chipping and putting um putting especially i just like to do 
play games with myself, little putting games, whether it's the circle drill or there's, you could do the circle drill, but from, if you, which I, I imagine everybody knows, you just put circles, uh, uh, tees in a circle around mm-hmm. the hole and you, you go and you can't miss one. If you miss, you start at the beginning. Yep. You can do that with four tees at, at, so I, I'll normally do, um, like four feet, six feet and eight okay. feet kind of at four different spots around the hole. And you got to make all three from four feet, then two from six feet, then one from eight feet. And if you miss any of them, you got to go back okay. to the beginning. And by the time you get to the end, you're like, okay, I don't want, I've been doing this for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I just want this to be over. So please make this right. putt, you know, or, and I, I love like, you got to practice the essentials chipping, you know, the straightforward chip shots, but messing around with different shots or putting myself in tournament situations like, all right, got to get this one up and down to win this. Or, I mean, I think everybody as a kid practicing has won the U S open a couple of times. Yeah, for so, sure. Just putting yourself, just put, all right, you know? And so, or like just doing something simple, like, all right, I'm going to chip until I, I make five until I chip five in and then, you know, that kind of deal. And then it's like, you just play little games with yourself that put pressure on you, the more into it you get. Yeah. That way you feel like you're accomplishing something and you're simulating some of that pressure for when you have the real time situation. Yeah. One of the other um, guests that I had on Jake Zwig is the director of player development at the university of Illinois for their football team. And I was telling him about, you know, doing like the uh, yardstick or like ruler uh, putting drill um, yeah, you know, where you've got to keep it on an inch wide ruler and you've got to make so many in a row. And I was telling him about this drill and you're talking about your T drill and, and you're out here for, you know, an hour and a half. You just want it to be over. And he, he would term that as persistent practice, which I think is something that um, is super important for golf specifically, because as I'm listening to you talk through some of the, you know, ways that you practice, you're tying it to a goal or this is a, an end accomplishment. I've got to chip five in before I can right. go. I've got to make 25 of these in a row before I can go. Um, and I think that that does simulate a lot of pressure that puts you in a situation to force yourself to execute. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. I love the way that you describe it. Cause I think that, you know, for those of you guys that are listening, young players that are trying to figure out how to practice and make the most out of your practice, even if you don't have a ton of time, or you're, you know, kind of stuck inside with everything that's going on right now, if you can figure out a way to put yourself in a position and hold yourself accountable to hitting some different metrics and setting some goals with your practice, you can get a lot more productivity out of it, it sounds like. Would you agree with that, John? Yeah, for sure. And even now, like stuck inside, whatever, you can find a carpet and throw down a cup and, and make a hundred three footers in a row. If you miss a miss one, for sure, no, for sure. You know, you know, like something simple like that. And by the time you get to 90, 91, 92, you're going to start to feel oh, yeah. the pressure. Oh, yeah. And when you, when you get to 57 and then miss 58 and you have to go back to zero, you're going to be kicking <laughs> right. yourself. But, but the key is you can't quit. You got to fight through it and, until you accomplish it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Um, well, I want to be conscious of your time and we'll kind of move towards wrapping up. Can you share with us any um, – any of your favorite golf memories? Is there like one or two maybe that stick out either, you know, playing or, or watching or just any golf memory in general that would be fun to share with the group? Um, 
yeah, I mean, my coolest memories are probably um, just from, I would say probably from college, from winning a couple events, um, winning the national championship as a team. And I, I was the second to last point. So I, I, I two putted 18 to win my match and then watching my teammate who had also had two putts to win his and clinch it. Um, and then getting it done and we dumped a bucket of ice on our coach, you know, <laughs> sure. He appreciated and, that. And yeah. Oh man, it was <laughs> awesome. And he was, it was like, it was his second to last year as a coach and that was his sixth national championship that he had won. So it was cool just to do that when, and be able to share that moment with the team. Um, and then my senior year, when I won the individual national championship, yep. I, I, I think I might've been tied for the lead with three holes to play or something okay. like that. And I birdied 16 or I birdied 15, I think to go up by one. No, it was 16 to go up by one 17. We, I, I birdied it with this other kid who was one back then. So we, he was still one back and 18 was just like 190 yard par three over like a ravine with a, with a, the Tennessee river on the right. It was in muscle shoals, Alabama. And, the pin was tucked back right and I had a one shot lead. So everybody thought I, everybody was on the hill. It was kind of like an amphitheater. It was cool. 18th hole. And all my teammates were like, yeah, he's just going to hit this right in the middle of the green. <laughs> and I had been playing like a little kind of fade the whole week. So I was like, all right, I'm going to aim this at the middle of the green and it should fade towards the hole. Well, I also blocked it oh. and it started fading and it hit the flag. It went to about <laughs> 10 feet. <laughs> And, and that was like that was the last shot of the national championship just hit like obviously it wasn't aiming there but it, it hit the flag and then i rolled it in for birdie ended up winning by two or three that's pretty I think. sweet yeah that i mean those were pretty yeah, special yeah, for sure so. <clears throat> cool man um well last thing before we wrap up i uh have, have started this over the last few months is just kind of tossing it back to the guests to fire a question back at me i've been asking you stuff the entire time so i don't know if there's anything that jumps out from our conversation that uh you're interested in or um just want to get my opinion on something um junior golf related or or whatever uh any questions you have for me um let's see what um i mean obviously you worked in junior golf Mm -hmm. space for a long time and now so this was your first year working at the, the Lecom? it was actually yes uh from like that like in a, like from the staff perspective i did volunteer last year um okay i chaired up the hospitality uh committee pretty much around the 18th green with all those areas that we've got set up there um but yeah, yeah this yeah. was my first year through um you know the actual tournament so definitely a little bit different you know from the inside uh just kind of seeing how everything operates and you know it was a great second year event i don't know how you feel you know as a player but you know we got a lot of good feedback from some of you guys and you know everybody involved so um yeah i felt really good about it it's been a fun move for me yeah good it it was an awesome event i thought and i was just going to ask you what have you noticed anything any big differences between some of the juniors you would work with and some maybe some of the guys you gotten to interact with now at, at maybe the the pro level or in college you um you mean just in terms of like like personalities or just you know golf wise or anything? anything um yeah let's see i think 
I think the opportunity that I'm in right now has, has given me a chance to learn a lot, learn a lot more and kind of dig into like what has helped you guys get to the level that you're at. And so I I think, you know, when I was working more in just the junior space, I saw a lot of kids that had aspirations, um, but maybe their actions didn't necessarily map to what they said they wanted. And, you know, so so for example, I I know a a kid that is a really good player. He's going to play at a really strong university, um, a university that's won a national championship in the past few years. And so he's, he's in a really good position. Um, But just some of the conversations that I've had with him and other juniors in similar positions where, well, Hey, if I, you know, really perfect my ball striking. I don't have to really work on my short game as much like that to me is like a very, um, I don't know if you call it naive or just, you know, just not really an educated approach to what it's really going to take to get there. So I think that's the big difference for me is it's kind of given me clarity and a broader scope of like, Hey, here are all these kids that I think are like really good players that have a really good chance of playing collegiately and and then taking it professionally. And it's been interesting to watch some of those kids move from juniors to college players. And then some of you guys Mm -hmm. having conversations with you about, you know, what it took to get you from the junior level to the college level, to the professional level. Um, I don't know. It's just given me a lot of different insight that way. Um, I wouldn't say like any particular person, but just like in general. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's pretty cool. So, you know, hopefully this show, you know, that's why I started it, right, is like to be able to pull from people like you and people that have had expertise and gotten to those next levels and what's gotten them there. Um, hopefully this can plug into some of these younger players that, you know, I've spent a lot of time around that, you know, are searching for those answers. And, you know, sometimes it's tough to take that advice from mom or dad or, you know, even from a coach sometimes. But if you can listen to, you know, a, a young player that's, you know, made it through college and, you know, like yourself, you've got a hell of a resume from a college perspective and, you know, are having a nice start to your professional career. You know, I, th- I think that that'll help out a lot of these kids and their families. So um, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad <laughs> yeah, man. Help. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Well, that wraps up episode 36 of Junior Golf Keys. I really appreciate you guys tuning in this week to listen to my conversation with John Vanderlyn uh, from the Corn Ferry Tour. I had a really good time talking with John, and I really appreciate you guys tuning in to listen. I hope you were able to take away some good value from our conversation. I know John shared a lot about you know his junior career and growing up, and you know some different things that he's worked on and. Uh, you know, just kind of his path and his journey in such a young career, I think, is relatable for a lot of junior golfers that are out there and, you know, some college players that are out there that are trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way to, to take their path. So um, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. As I always ask, if you would, um, please share it. Please leave a review. Also, if you haven't subscribed yet, I encourage you to do that so that you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we've got coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.